Want to be a CEO? It's a tough mountain to climb. I'm finding out how to get there and what to do once you make it to the top. I'm Michael Thompson, and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. I'm looking forward to this one today. It's something that I think Lev and I will be coming at from entirely different sides. Uh, Today, we are looking at the idea that for a CEO, the media is not your friend. First, of course, I'm joined by Philip Levinson, CEO, CEO mentor, and author of Three Peaks Leadership, How to Make It as a CEO and Beyond. Lev, g'day. Good morning, Michael. This one should be an interesting one. I'm really looking forward to this one. I've decided that I've actually been struck mute, tragically, and uh, for the next 30 minutes, we'll be saying nothing. <laughs> well, let me put this to you. You are a CEO. I've worked in the media for the last 15 years. So I'll start by asking, as a CEO, if the media is not your friend, does that make them the enemy? It's a great question. And thank you for asking it. Um, <laughs> You've from, done this before. From my perspective, the media is clearly not your enemy. And if you approach the media as your enemy, then that will place you in a, in a, a space that is adversarial and you're not going to win. Ultimately, the intelligence, the intellect, the desire to dive deeper in search for what can be as close to the truth as possible, uh, evidenced by members of the media, will mean that they will get you at some point if you treat the relationship between your organisation as and the media as, as disrespectfully as that. But they are not also your friend. And I hasten to say, you know, members of the media are great people, but be very, very careful from a leadership and, and corporate perspective in what you say and when you say it. I'll get to the, the adversarial side of it in a moment, but it might be interesting to find out from your perspective where the media can actually be of use to you in your role as a CEO. Let's go for a hypothetical walk, shall we? Please. There is a message that as an organisation you need to get to a broader audience. Issuing a press release is probably too blunt of an instrument in this instance, but you need to ensure that either your competitor knows that you're coming for them or that there's an initiative that you're about to commence but for whatever reason, it's not appropriate to, as I said, issue a press release and, and, and have a press conference. A, and this is hypothetically, of course, a word in the right ear might be quite useful. It's potentially dangerous, so be careful but ma- and make sure that you're on message and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. But uh, that subliminal messaging uh, may be very useful. I suppose then how important is it to build up a constructive relationship with certain members of the media? A lot of the time the media isn't trying to tear you down. They're not trying to damage your company. They just want to tell a good story. And if you cooperate, then you can both win. I think, and actually expanding on that, being a subject matter expert Mm. where a journalist can call you and say, can you talk me through this aspect because I don't know enough about it? I'm not going to quote you, but I really need to know more, uh, is, is a very useful two-way street because the quid pro quo of that may be that you as CEO phone a member of the media and say, what are you hearing about such and such? 
and you can have a full and off the record discussion. So it's absolutely critical. In my career, I've had five or six great relationships with, with journalists and members of the media, which have always been respectful and to the extent possible, tra- completely transparent. And I suppose you need to be working with them when times are good for you, because then when times are not so good, you probably stand a, a better chance of getting a, a fair go from them and being able to at least, you won't necessarily be able to spin the story the way that you want it to go, but it will be perhaps fairer than you might have expected otherwise. Yeah, I actually had a rule uh, after a while that people who'd been unfair to our mind in in their coverage didn't get invited back to the, to the press conferences mm-hmm. because it was it was so counterproductive. All they wanted to do was put the boot in. You know where we'd made it where we'd made a mistake and we had to be accountable. Then we would stand up in front of uh, the media and say, "Look, this is what's happened. This is what we're doing about it." And this is what we're doing to ensure it doesn't happen again. Right. And so long as you can do that with a fair degree of confidence that what you're, what you're saying will be reported on accurately and, and respectfully, you are enhancing and developing your relationship with the media because it'll go beyond this particular issue. Yeah. From my, my perspective, I think business can serve up some of the best stories around because it often has a lot of the the ingredients that you need. There's there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of power involved. There are big personalities often involved. And in some cases, they're trying to hide something, which just makes it even better. When you're the CEO and completely out of the blue, your phone rings and it's a journalist, mm-hmm. what do you do? I think the first thing you do is you listen. You don't talk. And you listen to the question and how it's being asked. Is this, is this a, an aggressive? We've heard that you're doing such and such. You know, what's your comment? Or is it a mate just giving you a courtesy call to say that we're going to publish this tomorrow and this is what we're going to say? Do you have any comment? And then the next thing you do is you, you cut the call quite short and you phone your media advisor. Or you email your media advisor and say, "This is what's just happened. Let's put a plan in place to um, to address it." I think we'll follow that hypothetical along a little bit. Say it's not a good story. It's something that you would rather wasn't in the public domain, but it is. What do you do? Is your is your standard approach uh, statement to the media? Is it a, a press conference where you put yourself out there in front of a number of journalists and, and allow yourself to be questioned? over it or is it going back to that relationship that you have hopefully built with a few journalists and and try and and deal with it that way I hate this answer but I because it's normally given to you by tax advisors and lawyers and the answer is it depends it depends on 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 what it is if it's something that can be dealt with by a media statement this has happened this is what's happened this is what's going on. Uh, full disclosure, because in public companies, you need to be disclosing all material items. So allowing the regulator to learn about you in the media is a very, very bad thing. So you need to make sure that you're ahead of the story. You know, I used to, I used to like press conferences because it gave you an opportunity to, to portray yourself, the organization as, as human and 
you could also gauge the intensity of the reaction against you to what was what was going on. So if you could if you could sit in a room of hostile journalists and by the end of it having reasoned with them, talked them through and say, look, you know, this this did happen. This is what we're doing. This is why it happened. And this is what we're doing to make sure it doesn't happen again. Then you're being then you're being reasonable. I think where you run into real problems, to your point earlier, is where you're trying to hide because all that does is unleash a, a frenzy if the story is juicy enough, and you're never going to win that one. The media conference is certainly, though, not for everybody. You would need you need to be a relatively polished performer to be able to pull something like that off especially if it's something that's going to be a little bit controversial. If it's something that that you don't really want to be discussing but you have to, then you're going to want to be someone who has either had experience or has undergone some training in how to do that. And that's my next question is how, as, as a CEO, do you prepare for the barrage of questions that can come in a media conference on any number of topics. It might not actually be on what you called the press conference about. It could be about something that you are not expecting and you could be completely blindsided. Yeah. How do you prepare for that? Well, just on the blindsided, uh, it's happened a few times and it's a thoroughly, thoroughly unpleasant experience. And then you're kicking yourself for thinking, I didn't think about that. But uh, you have to go right back. If you're going to take a CEO or, or an investor relations or other front forward-facing role, then you need to be trained. And you need to be trained by gnarly journalists who've done it all before and they've, they can drop questions. And you need to practice and practice. You know, to be honest, I had such a great coach that when I had press conferences or analyst briefings or annual general meetings, we would, we would practice for two days before for the myriad of questions that we could get bombarded with. And we were always on edge going into those meetings. The team, senior leadership team and I were always slightly on edge. You know, there was a, there was a, a degree of adrenaline pumping and fear. And if you don't have that, then you are going to make a terrible mistake. So make sure that you're, that you're at your best when you walk in through the door. But at the end of it, I would always think, what, that's the best you've got? What happened to all the hard questions that we've been practicing for? So it's, it's often not as bad as you think it's going to be, but you have to prepare. You have to be trained. You have to have members of your team who are uh, authorised to speak on behalf of the organisation to the media and no one else. Now, I was told in the company that I worked for many years ago, one of the best ways to get fired from here is to talk to the media because it just circumvented the, the protocols in place. But also remember, you're not compelled to answer the question. Nothing, there's no, unless you're subpoenaed, you don't have to answer the question. Now you have to, that's a, it's a, uh, a two-edged sword. Mm. You might choose to defer the question. That's a great question, Michael. Thank you for that. I'll get back to you with the details. Um, you might obfuscate, which will lead you open to charges of obfuscation and, and, <laughs> and pour more fuel on the fire. Or you might give your, pre-approved selected answer to that particular question frustrates the hell out of the media, but it's the right thing to do because if you start pontificating and making all sorts of statements that are going to get picked up 
then you run the risk of picking the newspaper up the next day and go, that's not what I meant. And trust me, I've had that experience. Well, I think it, it probably comes back to the, the, the point that you wouldn't put an inexperienced CEO out in front of a media pack because of the risk of things going yeah. terribly wrong and actually making the situation a lot a yeah. lot worse. For me, it does really emphasise the importance of that of that training and having a good team around you who is able to advise on the, the right approach. As a CEO, you don't have to do it alone. You no. have you should have that team around you able to able to help. In a, in a previous role, my head of investor relations and I got to such a point with the local media that the the conversations were very convivial. Mm. And you know, where we where things weren't going entirely according to plan, we were cut slack. There's no doubt about it. But we worked very hard on those relationships. We spent a lot of time back briefing. We spent a lot of time being the subject matter expert. Yeah. Um, and so it was to us, it was a two way street, but there was never any alcohol involved in uh, any of our, any of our meetings. And we always knew who we were talking to. So it was kept very professional, but also quite calculated in a way in that, that you knew who you were talking to why you were speaking to them. And I suppose that would go both ways. They would know why the the conversations are taking place. Yeah. You mentioned something before about uh, leaks within an organisation or or information perhaps being released that you would rather not get out there. How important is it to have a really clearly defined media policy within, within your company? Because there is nothing or very few things more destabilizing and more demoralizing than leaks and and people talking to the media when it's not their job. If you don't have a media policy, then you are going to find yourself in a world of pain at some point, whether you're a very small organization or, you know, top 200. You need to know who has the ability uh, and training to talk to the media and the organization needs to know that no one else fronts the media and, and leaks will be dealt with very, very severely because they have such a, as you say, destabilizing and dangerous effect. And the question is, but why, why is, why has the leak occurred? Why did that person feel it was necessary to do what they did? Is that indicative of a much broader problem? But there should be no tolerance. And I mean this sincerely, there's no tolerance for leakers. There are a few other things I'd like to cover, but I think we'll have to come back to this in another another episode, including the role that the media plays in holding the CEO and other members of the company uh, to account, so the impact on accountability. Also, when personal lives start to uh, merge with professional lives and they become a story and the media in the last couple of years has been littered with examples of that. I'd be interested in your thoughts on how that plays out and whether a CEO or someone in a, in a similar position can recover from being the subject of a personal media storm. But before we go, there's one last question I wanted to, to ask you. It relates to something that came up in a previous episode when we spoke to Tanoon Pasha who's had a lot of experience in executive search. And he talked about an aspiring CEO 
using the media to build their profile and to establish themselves, as you mentioned before, as a subject matter expert. Did you do that? Did you find that you were able to use the media before you got into that role to establish yourself and position yourself as a a likely candidate for that role? No. And to be really honest, I was less comfortable in that answer because, uh, you know, into Loon's comment, because the media can build you up and tear you down mm-hmm. within within seconds. So I think maintaining a respectful distance but not using them to enhance your, your profile, unless it's uh, in a set piece, unless it's an interview with a, with a leading newspaper or it's, uh, it's been – part of your investor outreach. You know, I think one of the worst things that can happen to a CEO is that they become the CEO of the year and they're on the front page of the newspaper because it almost always leads to a report a couple of years later of former CEO of the year now, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. There is a lot that we can come back to in a future episode on uh, Media Is Not Your Friend Part 2. So we might leave that one there for today. Uh, Please follow Philip Levinson on LinkedIn, join in the conversation. Thank you very much for your company today. And while you're at it, while you're online, make sure you hit subscribe or follow on the podcast so that you get the next episode as soon as it's released. I'm Michael Thompson, and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. Thanks, Michael.